and welcome to Better Done Than Perfect, a podcast for SaaS founders and product people. We are wrapping up the season today with the awesome guest. His name is Baird Hall. He's a co-founder of Churnkey. And we're going to talk about cancellation flows today. This show is brought to you by Userlist, the best tool for sending onboarding emails and segmenting your SaaS users. To follow the best practices, download our free printable email planning worksheets at useless.com slash worksheets. Hey, Baird. Thanks for having me. The uh, podcast title, Better Done Than Perfect, cannot speak to me more perfectly because that's kind of how I've always felt over building three different companies. I've never been great at one thing, but we do a lot of things okay and pretty well. So. I'm um, glad to hopefully share some experience with the with the audience. Great. Once you're touched upon that, tell us about all three of your companies and the story behind that. And it looks like the takeaways from the first two led to creating Churnkey. So share the story. Yeah, I'll try to. It's hard to keep this one short, but I'll try. So back in 2015, it actually all started with my first co-founder and I trying to build basically what Clubhouse is today. We tried to build a live audio chat room, specifically around sports fans. And it was a great idea. We built a really fun product that people used and loved, but we missed the whole business side of it. Didn't get an actual business model. We couldn't figure out how to monetize it, couldn't raise any money. And we spent about a year and a half in our savings on that. It was a pretty painful time. We definitely don't consider that one a success, but we're glad we did it because... We built Wave, our first bootstrap SaaS company, out of that. We needed a tool to share audio on social media from all these live audio chats that were happening on our mobile apps. And there was no way to share audio on on Facebook. And we built a little internal marketing tool that took the audio clip, added an image, added some waveform and animation, and it created an MP4 video for social media. And Nobody really liked our app all that much, but podcasters would see it and they'd email us and say, how did you, I don't care about your app, but how did you create this video on social media? And the light bulb went off. We were like, oh, we finally built something that somebody will use and actually pay for. So we sold the old company, the old app, and we started focusing on Wave in 2016. Podcasting was a small market at that point. People weren't raising venture funds. We didn't have any money. So we were forced into bootstrapped. SaaS life by default. And we are so glad that that happened because it really fits our approach, our personalities, how we like to work. We haven't raised any venture funds for any of our companies. Wave's been around since 2016. It does about 140000 a month in MRR. And it's a great tool for podcasters. And uh, it's been a great business. And we actually built Subtitle, which is a video editing tool, very similar to what we offer to podcasters, but with Wave, but a video editing tool for video creators. So we've spent the last, I guess that's six years now. Subtitle does over a thousand a month in MRR. It's growing very rapidly. It's another great business. We spent the last six years focusing on building tools for creators, which we call it's not quite B2B and it's not B2C either. It's kind of in this gray area in the middle that we call prosumers. And prosumers are unique in the fact that they come and go quite a bit. You know, they have needs that change throughout the year when they're creating heavy seasons, lower seasons. And we always struggled with churn. 
And it was just the biggest battle that we fought over the last few years is getting our churn under 10%. That was always our North Star, of course, outside of growing the business with with acquisition. And then out of that, which will, that'll be the main story I think that we get into today, but we built ChurnKey, which is a tool that helps SaaS businesses lower churn with better cancellation flows. So we've kind of been just building building things for ourselves and just building on top of one another from business to business. And that's what led us to ChurnKey. And we love creating new products. We're hooked on it. And ChurnKey is the latest one that we're excited to, to get going. You say we so many times, but mm-hmm. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to give a lot of credit to my partners. So we have five different co-founders across the three different companies. Each company has its own cap table and operate independently, but we all know each other and there's a lot of overlap between the companies. So yeah, there's five of us. We're a team of five and then about, I'd say a half dozen contractors across the different companies. We operate very lean. We have a very specific ROI driven approach to what we do features that we build you know decisions that we make in the business we it, it is always under the lens of focusing on profitability sustainability and building calm companies that are fun to work at not stressful they don't have big ups and downs we love consistency so we really try to focus on lifestyle we love working and building new companies but we also like you know being able to enjoy the you know the time outside of them so kind of a very specific uh, very specific type of businesses that we like to build. Having focused on the offboarding part of the user lifecycle and this is super underappreciated I think oh, what's yep. your insight how many founders think about that even when they start a product and what do you do to you know cultivate that idea that offboarding should also get attention from the founders. Yes. Yeah, it's a good point. I think even before that churn, I think churn's an afterthought for a lot of founders until they start feeling that pain, right? We we're so focused on getting the business off the ground and pushing it uphill and then you know, growth really starts picking up and you double, you triple down on growth. And we've always said that churn isn't a problem. Acquisition is way more important than churn until all of a sudden it's not. And all of a sudden you've got a, all of a sudden you have a high churn rate and your acquisition rate can't overcome it. And then you hit a plateau. And that is when most founders wait to start focusing on churn. And understandably so, we did the same thing. You know, we really waited a long time on churn. And it's the longer you wait, the harder it is to solve those problems because churn is not, there's no silver bullet for it. There's a lot of different ways that you need to attack churn. I kind of equate it to marketing where most companies aren't driven off of one marketing channel, right? You're testing and you're trying a lot of different things, content marketing, SEO, paid ads, and they all work to varying different degrees. And you have to decide where to put your focus and efforts to be able to get that return on your marketing spend. Turns the same way. There's no one perfect way to do it. Every company is going to be different and you need to try and work on a lot of different things to see what works for your business. And Basically, what we found with Wave and Zubtitle and these very high-volume, lower-priced SaaS products is that our cancellation flow was focusing and optimizing on that had the best return on investment for our efforts. It was a very clear, like, if we spend five hours adding a pause functionality to our subscription offerings, it's going to drop churn by 15%. And it was just something very clear that we could see. And that's 
kind of where the light bulb went out for us. We're like, wow, this is working so well for us. We need to kind of package it up and offer it to other SaaS founders so that they can plug Churnkey into their SaaS app. So what are the primary principles slash things you can do when it comes to reducing churn? Because it feels like we're a little bit helpless there. You know, there's different circumstances in people's lives and you're just standing there and not sure like what you can do. What can you do? <laughs> well, I think the first thing that you need to acknowledge is that it's impossible to prevent all churn. You have to know that, okay, there's going to be a certain amount of churn with my business and figuring out what that should be. Similar to pricing as well. It's like your pricing is never going to be perfect, but you need to find that range that it needs to live in so people are comfortable with it. I think a great place to start is you know conducting a churn audit, looking at your churn rate. Is it seasonal? Is it very volatile or is it very consistent over time? And then also figuring out what different product levers affect churn is really important as well. There's a lot of different ways to, to attack churn. And I think most people probably start with the following the customer's journey and looking at, okay, here's where someone first gets introduced to my brand. Here's when they become a user, a customer, and, and following that, that customer journey and then seeing where churn happens throughout it is really important. So offboarding is probably the first place that most people should start. If your customers aren't getting successfully onboarded, your churn rate's probably going to have a big hit because of that. So making sure that customers are getting activated and you need to define what activation means. So for us with Wave, for example, a customer would sign up and if they didn't create their first video, they were never going to convert to begin with. But if they don't create that first video and post it on social media, if they sign up for a paid account, they're probably they're eventually going to churn because they never got the value out of the product. So, you know, we call that stepping through the product funnel and figuring out how each step relates to churn, I think is a great place to start. But of course, Churnkey has been interesting that we kind of been working backwards of saying, like, okay, well, this person's canceling. What can we do at the point of cancel to figure out A, why they're churning, and then B, what are the different offers that could encourage them to stay or reactivate at a later date? So we probably need to dive into some of those specific points a little bit more, but that's kind of where we start as far as thinking about churn. So what is the essence of your product? What do you suggest? I suppose there is like a menu of things that you can offer to users instead of canceling. And how do you do that in a nice and not very salesy and <laughs> remaining legal kind of way, because we've all mm -hmm. seen those, you know, Twitter threads about companies that you have to call into by phone to cancel and other things yep. like that that are borderline illegal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. So, yeah, we'll go back to Wave and Subtitle and kind of where this all came from, because it, it explains kind of how we think about cancellation flows within Churnkey. So, the first insight that we had at Wave and Subtitle is that we had customers that would have a need for our product for a certain amount of months, and then they would cancel, but then we were seeing really high reactivation rates. And the reason for that, once another pro tip here is to talk to your customers. Once we started talking to canceled customers, we found out that they were basically recording seasons of their podcasts, and they would, similar to like how you all do, you have you know six to 12 episodes that is a season, and then you take a break. And our customers were canceling because they were in that three-month break period. And we found that if we offered them a subscription pause, that it ensured that they would come back onto the product and reactivate later, as opposed to hoping that they would come back. And 
we found that customers preferred that because they wanted to save. They have a lot of videos and you know design and settings within their account. They don't want to lose either. So the pause was a good win-win for one another. So that's a great offering for customers that are canceling. They might want to pause. We saw that big time with COVID with just market uncertainty in the world. People may be cutting costs for one reason or another, but don't necessarily have to, but they're doing it out of precaution. So offering a pause has been really successful. Also offering discounts. Sometimes the price point is just off. And that's going back to churn as well. A great place to start is evaluating your business model and your pricing. If that is off with customers, you're going to see a higher churn rate because they're going to realize that they're paying too much or maybe they're paying too little and they don't the value and the price doesn't match up. And so they're not putting the correct amount of effort into using the product. So being able at the point of cancellation to ask a customer why they're canceling and if it has to do with budget or monetary reasons to try to pitch them offers on different pricing is really helpful to see and it, it helps capture some of those users. Going back to thinking about churn and approaching it is, you know, that first step of saying, of being okay with a certain amount of churn. And then also acknowledging that, you know, when you have 10 users, let's say you have 100 people, customers that canceled, there's a portion of those customers that didn't actually want to cancel. They may have just wanted a pause. Maybe they needed a different plan. Maybe they needed technical help. And that's really what Churnkey focuses on is almost quote unquote, talking to each 100 customers they're canceling in a programmatic way and trying to figure out if they actually wanted to cancel and then what you can offer them. Another really interesting tactic that we've used is offering hidden plans. So the idea of having a subscription pricing, a subscription plan that's not listed on your pricing page. So new users can't sign up for it, but it is a plan that canceling customers can opt for to stay active. So maybe it's a very low you know, you'll see some companies do this where they'll say, well, you know, you should stay, you know, get half of what you have right now for $5 a month, something like that, just to keep them involved at a lower price point is another, another interesting way to, to keep users around. Where did it draw your inspiration for this? Was it purely practical from your products or is there any good, you know, UX uh, iconic reading that you can do on the topic? The best thing that we've done is look at B2C companies that you use in your everyday life. So the first one, and you kind of touched on maybe some some not good strategies or, or even bad practices, is if you think back to your cable company. Like when you call, you have to call your cable company and ask them to cancel, and they pitch you everything out of the book. They give you free HBO. They try to give you you know months free, and it's a terrible experience. But it's that same kind of concept of. Think about the products in your life that you've thought about canceling, but for some reason didn't, and think about what was happening in your in your mind. One that's very common for us is we do HelloFresh at our house. We'll we'll order it, and you know they send you three or four meals, and we almost cancel it all the time, but we wind up not because we go to the cancellation page and we're like, oh, you know, they're gonna. It doesn't take much of an offer to keep us around because we're like, oh no, we do find value in this. We just you know, maybe thought we could cut this from our budget. You know, Netflix and these streaming companies are great at it. Disney is amazing at it. They have a very well thought out approach. They try to pitch you on because they have so many different products. They can give you free ESPN or free Disney Plus, you know, live TV, all these different options, other products that they can pitch you. So I would say keep an eye out. You'll realize that you cancel a lot more subscriptions than, than you think when you start paying attention to it. And that's where we drew a lot of our initial inspiration. Uh, and it is really important for us to make sure that we're not 
you know, coercing users to stay and forcing them into bad UI patterns that make them just get frustrated and, and not cancel, but rather design it in a way that they want to stay and they want to take your offer because in reminding them of the value that your product provides is kind of the approach that we've taken. So one of the points in introducing a dedicated offboarding experience is to collect cancellation insights and what can founders do with those insights? How can they store them? How often should they, you know, review them? Because it's not like you go daily and <laughs> read your cancellation reasons because it can get pretty depressing. So what's your recommended practice there? It's actually funny. We thought the same thing and we don't go into our cancellation insights for our other products as well. But we, our current users log in. There's so many of them that log in every day and they just want to kind of see a snapshot. I think they might like seeing the saved customers rather than going through the actual cancellation reasons. But yeah, it's a great point. And just to point out, I think we touched on this earlier, but the things that I'm talking about that Chernkey does, you can build all these things yourself, especially cancellation and insights. All of it, It's a form that users fill out as they're canceling, which anybody can implement or you can use Chernkey to do it. But that's the first step in, I, you know, when you start evaluating your churn, you need to be able to look at why users are canceling. And it's good to give them a couple different options to pick from. Generally, you want to be somewhere asking them about budget or price point, asking them about product functionality or features that you're missing. You really want to know that if it's happening, whether or not that they just flat don't need it anymore. That's really important to know. And then having a free form option for text is really important as well so that you can start learning kind of that qualitative information that you couldn't get in a survey. So one example is COVID. We've had so many people just cite COVID as a reason for canceling when they didn't actually want to cancel. It's, you know, it's things that are out of their control. And once we realize that, we put an option in there to select COVID and then we'll try to offer them just, you know, a few free months because, you know, we want them to come back when things get better. So, you know, asking, yeah, the cancellation insights is really important. And then kind of the next level of this is understanding how this changes over time. So as you update your product, as you add big new features, how does your churn change? And then the reasons that people are canceling, why does that change? Um, there's not really a great way to do that other than just, you know, tracking it, you know, alongside of your product development cycle is really important. And then the, the free form is kind of the last point of that. It's making sure that, you're, you know, you're almost trying to talk to every user on their way out as, as much as you can without actually, because we don't have the time to talk to every single customer on their way out. This is kind of the best way to do it. At UserList, we don't have any fancy replacement options, but we do have a handmade cancellation survey. And we found great luck replacing different options with just a single freeform field, because everybody mm -hmm. would say, you know, missing an important feature or like, so our versions were just so handy that nobody cared to explain yep. more. So we removed them all and replaced them with a single field, which produced much better results. Yeah, yeah. Forcing users to have actually type something in. And we also found that setting a minimum character requirement for that is really <laughs> important because otherwise people will just type something in. But if you make them type 50, we set it to 50 characters, makes them, okay, well, I actually need to explain, which is, I think it's totally fair that, um, you know, just we're happy to cancel your account. Just let us know why so we can try and be better. And most customers want to help you out anyway. So yeah, that's a good point. We we get a lot of people that just cite budgetary concerns and that's just kind of a catch-all that, you know, they don't really mean that or they probably that probably means a lot of different things. 
So yeah, getting them to actually type it in is really helpful. What are the biggest mistakes that you see happening when it comes to you know, dealing with churn? Not dealing with it, I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what are the rest? Well, I think you know the biggest mistake that we see is just waiting too long to address it. That's what we did. We waited until it was such a big problem that we had to put our whole company on hold for months to focus on it and bring that churn down. Another big mistake is not calculating your growth ceiling. So this is something that a lot of founders, or we always think about growth in terms of acquisition. But growth is actually acquisition minus churn. That's what your growth turns out to be. If your churn is higher than what you acquire, then you're not actually growing. So understanding that acquisition and churn work together to determine how high you can grow. If your churn's at 10%, there is a mathematical ceiling that you can hit as far as churn goes. And understanding what that is and knowing what change, if you drop churn by X percent, how does that change your growth ceiling? Of course, you can raise pricing and do some other things to increase that growth ceiling, but eventually you're going to have to address churn. So making sure that you get on it early. The cancellation insights is we see a lot of founders, especially early stage founders that just don't have that plugged in at all. And so the longer you go without that, you're just missing opportunity for date, for collecting data and insights. Even if you're not using them right now, just having that in place is a great, great first step. I would say those are the biggest mistakes that we see initially. You know, outside of that, you start getting into like really specific tactical things within onboarding or engagement. I will say something else that we've learned is there's a little bit of a movement right now trying to predict churn using whether it's just algorithms or AI or whatever it may be, even if it's just specific reporting. It's a helpful thing to, to do, but we found it's almost self, it's, it's, it's a self-selection bias almost that, yeah, you can predict churn, but those customers are probably going to churn anyway. So even when you get to the point where you can predict that they're going to churn, it's it's already happened. It's already in the process of happening. So you can hit, you can hit them with engagement campaigns and it's definitely, you know, it's worthwhile to attempt that. But we found that that's where we started initially is we thought, oh, if we can predict churn, we can stop it. Turns out that if you, you're just predicting something that's going to happen in the future anyway. So that's something that we've seen a lot of people starting to focus on that hasn't really been figured out yet. Now, maybe that's a technical limitation to, you know, how the prediction models are actually working, but I think that's, to be determined. When you were creating Turnkey as a business, did you think about churn as a, you know, as a thing in your business model? Because clearly you wanted to be to build something <laughs> B2B and sticky and close to the money as opposed to those, you know, B2C prosumer products that you ran before. Yeah. Is that something that founders should be thinking about before they start a product? It's a great question. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I'll say a little more context. I think that the traditional advice in the SaaS startup world has been, you need to go B2B. Like you said, the closer to the money, the better. And that's definitely true when it comes to pricing and churn. Uh, we have very low churn at Churnkey, which is ironic and good. But also, I, I think the market that you pick, it's obviously important, but you shouldn't just pick B2B just because that's what people say to do. I will say that you know, running these prosumer SaaS businesses, these two in the past, it's actually I think it's easier to get ten people to give you ten dollars than one person to give you a hundred. So you're just it's a give and take with both business models. With the B two C, 
side of things, you're going to get a lot higher conversion rates and, you know, acquisitions probably going to be easier, but your churn is going to be a lot higher. And then with B2B, it's going to be the flip side of that. It's going to be harder to activate businesses, but you're going to have lower churn and you're going to keep those customers around for a long time. So, you know, it's definitely something you want to think about and make sure that um, I think the most important thing is that your pricing and model matches up with that. When your pricing and model, you know, doesn't reflect for that, you know, kind of what's works in that industry, that's when things can become a problem. But yeah, with Turnkey, it's been interesting. It's our first B2B business. It's a bigger lift. The software, you know, security is a, is a much bigger concern. Integrations are required for a lot of B2B companies, B2B software. And um, so, so it's been a much bigger project, very different. And then sales cycles are longer. So you have to be okay with that and know how to navigate sales cycles is really important as well. We're in with B2, you know, with our previous businesses, it was, you know, freemium, just try it out and more focused on conversion rates. So yeah, very different. It's helpful to kind of at least know what you're getting into before you make that decision. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. As we are wrapping up today's episode, what's one last piece of advice when it comes to improving your cancellation flow in your SaaS product? One last piece of advice that I would give SaaS founders focusing on their cancellation flows would be to experiment and test. Know that it can always be better. It's never going to be perfect, right? That's why we're here. Better <laughs> done than perfect. But I mentioned this earlier, but just to, to reinforce the idea that there's a lot of different ways to fight churn and you need to be experimenting with onboarding, engagement, off you know, your cancellation flows, pricing as well affects it. Everything works together that produces your churn, make sure you're talking to customers, making sure you're collecting information and you're trying different things. It wasn't until we talked to customers and realized that they needed a short pause instead of cancellation that our business completely changed. We were able to bring churn from 13% down to nine, completely increased our growth ceiling and allowed us to scale up, hire more people and do a lot more things and continue getting to the next level. So focus on churn early collect that information and constantly be tweaking it and trying to make it better. Amazing. Well, thanks so much. Where can people find you personally and your business online? Probably easiest to find on Twitter. It's at Baird Hall. I think I'm the only Baird active on Twitter, strangely enough. So it should be easy to find there. And you can find Churnkey. It's churnkey.co. And you can find us on Twitter as well. That's really where we spend a lot of time engaging and talking with others. So we'd love to chat. Check out Churnkey. We've got a, a promo code as well for the listeners. And I'm sure you'll put those in the show notes. That'll give you the first month free. So you can sign up. You can plug Churnkey into your SaaS application at no cost. And if it doesn't save you any money, which we are confident that it will, we've yet to have somebody sign up and implement and not save customers in month one. So if that doesn't happen, you can cancel risk-free. Also, we are happy to help with the implementation process. If you decide to go with Turnkey as opposed to building it yourself, we're happy to help you through the installation process and get you up and run. Amazing. Thanks so much once again, Baird. It's been great. Let's hope all our listeners try and make those improvements starting today. Thanks for having me. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks for listening. If you found the episode useful, please spread the word about this new show on Twitter, mentioning UserList, or leave us a review on iTunes.